Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. College baseball fans, it's time for the D1 Baseball Podcast with Mike Rooney, Aaron Fitt, and Kendall Rogers. Let's win every podcast. Now, here's the pride of the Newtown Edgemont Little League, Coach Rooney. Hello and welcome to the 23 Minutes of Heaven we call the D1 Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Patrick Rooney. Tonight's episode brought to us by our good friends at S2 Cognition. I want to encourage everyone, get on S2 Cognition's website, Learn about their assessments. We are so good in baseball at scouting the five physical tools, but learn if you're an athlete or a family that's really serious about this, it's a great way to get the information on decision-making. How is our decision-making? Is it good? Is it bad? What can we do about it? The guys at S2, this is just great cutting-edge stuff being used by the best of the best of military and sport, and, and it's available to the general public now. It's super cool. So. Uh, tonight, I am joined by the great David Seifert, the Director of Credibility, um, because we're going to talk about the college national team. And Seif, you, it sounds like this is an annual tradition for you. You sit after the season and the draft is wrapped up. You go and, and, and get in front of the national team every year. Yeah, every year and uh, carry for four or five days. I watch the trials, and then a couple of years, I'll sneak in some games as well when they uh, play the uh, Chinese Taipei or the uh, Japanese national team. Uh, Remember three summers ago, they did a little tour, and I followed them on tour, like, through the Appalachian, uh, different stadium each night. So it's always a lot of fun to cover the best upcoming group of prospects for, you know, the, the next summer's draft. Do you like the trials better because you're seeing more players, or do you like when they're playing the actual foreign teams just because it gets, I would imagine, the intensity ratchets up? Yeah, definitely. And you go from uh, hot carry, 95 and humid, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon to Again, minor league ballpark and Glasgow, mm. Virginia, you know, um, with, yeah, a little more intensity, just a little more something on the line. But I do like the trials a lot because there's 55 plus guys out there. So, I mean, the more guys, the more better guys you see, the more prepared you are going into, uh, you know, when the teams return to the, the campus in the fall to watch them and obviously they carry over into next spring. It feels like the scouting community too puts a ton of stock in the Cape and Team USA. Is, am I overcooking that, or is that pretty true that because of the, the like, even at the trials, the 55 kids are, in theory, the best 55 kids for the next college draft class? Is, is it true that the scouting community really does bank a lot of that information and, and put a lot of stock into it? Yes, uh, they do, and they should. I mean, the tape may not be what it is today that it was 10, 15 years ago. It just, mm-hmm. It's you know, it's still the Cape. It's still a lot of the best players, but there's other leagues that have a lot of the best players too. So it's a little watered down version of maybe what it was 10, 12, 15 years ago. And the stats meant more then, but it's still a, it's still a great barometer to see if a kid can hit with wood against, uh, you know, guys throwing 90, 95. So, um, they do put a lot of stock in that. Uh, they put a lot of stock in the CMT as well. I mean, you're facing now 
I'll preface it by saying Chinese Taipei is probably the equivalent of a, a mid-major team, mm-hmm. a, a non a non NCAA regional team. Um, you know, just lim- limited range, especially in center field, shortstop, the premium positions. But Japan is a team that would have contended with and maybe even beaten LSU for the national title. They're, you know, they have pitching, they have different looks, they have speed, they have some power. Uh, they have a good team. The, the CMT has not beaten them in many years. I, I think it's been at least five years since the, the USA CMT has won a, a, a series, a five, seven game series against Japan. So it was kind of, Two, two different teams. Again, one non, non-regional type team and one, another team that is definitely CWS caliber. Yeah. And the Japan so, team, is so, it, is it velocity or it's more just like they're, they're, they're kids that are physically comparable to the U.S. kids, but they're just the skill level is very, very high. Yeah. They're maybe not as, uh, upsidey ceilingy as, I mean, like who has the upside of, of Jack Tani, right? I mean, right, right. Yeah, so yeah. like, Nobody like he's the second best. He's the second most talented player in the world behind Otani. You know, right. so um, but uh, but they are they're, they're highly skilled. Uh, they have just you know they they throw numerous pitches for strikes and they count. Um, they play defense. They defend at a high level. They have range. So yeah, it's it's a qual- it's a quality quality team. The Japanese play. Does the Japanese team pressure you offensively, or is it is it like run and bun and hit and run, or is it more just they're swinging it? It, it's more balanced, but they will. I mean, they will push front. They 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 sacrifice like, and they're really good at it. I mean, mm. if they don't if they don't get a bunt down, it's it's a surprise. Whereas right. I know got a lot it. of times in our game, it's it's like, oh, he got the bunt down. So um, a little <laughs> a little different on the scale, but uh, no, it's just a very well rounded, solid solid team. Yeah, love it. Oh, that's really cool. I've never that's on my bucket list, my college baseball bucket list. I've never uh, sat on the college national team before. And uh, I, I definitely would love to do that next summer. It seems awesome. So, and what a great way to turn the page and get your kind of wet your whistle for the, the upcoming season. How about safe? Let's go left-handed pitchers and then we'll go right-handed pitchers. Um, so let's mm-hmm. talk about lefties. I, and I'll just, I'll, I'll give you a blank check for starters. Give me, give me a couple left-handed pitchers that just really jumped off the page at you. Well, okay. Uh, the one that jumped off the page for me is Ben Abelt. Uh, he's yes. a, he's a, just finished his true freshman year at TCU. He's a reliever. Um, it's just, and he's a total reliever. I mean, it's not a starter. It's not a high pick, but he was up to 91, 9091 at TCU. That was the word on him coming in. He was up to 93 with, uh, during the trials for the CNT, but against Japan, he was up to 95. So he's 6'5. He lands well, well, well across his body. I mean, he almost like steps to first base and throw. He's, mm-hmm. he's put it this way. He's, he's tickling with the 45 degree angle. Yeah. You know, like for the pickoff move, but he lands about out of 45, throws way across his body. There's funk. It's a start stop, hesitation delivery, tough to pick up the ball, tough to get any type of timing off him. And then he's chucking it in there down at 95. So, um, I guess in high school, he's like 85, 87 as a high school senior. So, I mean, just to see his, I haven't seen it firsthand, but just to hear about his progress and then to see him, um, I mean, I'm not saying he's Josh Hader, but it could be that type of dominant left-handed relief pitcher at the big league level here in a couple of, you know, he has two more years to be draft eligible, but I think he kind of gets the picture. But he really jumped out to me because I'd only seen him on TV going in and only seen him up to 91, and here he is checking at 93. He can also spin it. He's got, obviously, as you would imagine, a, a big sideways breaker that's just heck on left-handed hitters. and. Uh, he has a he has a changeup. He can kill his spin on his changeup against you know to combat the righty. So um, you know three pitches, three solid pitches, but definitely a reliever look. 
Um, and then from there, you know, you got the two first rounders, three first rounders, and Carter Holton from Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's polished. He's, they say he's big league ready, but I mean, he's 5'11, 210, built like a fire hydrant, could pitch, three pitches, no strikes. Um, he was more electric as a freshman for Vandy than he was his past sophomore year, but he still had a, a very solid sophomore year. Uh, Hagen Smith, the big arm from Arkansas, he's up to 97. Now he was, he used to call Hagen Smith bad, but he'd probably call himself bad during the time. Bad for him. Uh, he got three innings. Yeah, bad for him. Bad, real bad for anybody. He, he got three innings, but they had to roll two of them. I think mm. he threw, excuse me, <clears throat> he threw 60 some pitches in those three innings. Uh, I think he walked six or seven. Ooh. It just is not the Hagen Smith that we all saw. Um, but the CNT, they're smart enough to keep him. Obviously, he's a super talented arm, future first rounder. Uh, he made it through the trials and then he pitched lights out against, uh, China and, and uh, Japan. So, um, and then the third first rounder they didn't keep, which was totally surprising, but they know what they're doing. Uh, Josh Hartle, uh, six five, mm. loose lefty from Wake Forest. He's going to be the next Wake Forest first round pitcher. Um, He's obviously was a lot better during the season. I think he posted like a two ERA for, for Wake during the year, but the, he was not good. He struggled. He was on the struggle bus. I think he only threw two innings during the trials. Uh, he got hit. He wasn't back. You know, he was, his control was off. Plus his stuff was off and he just got hit and, uh, he, uh, they sent him home. He didn't survive the, uh, 30, the 30 man roster for the, uh, the, the China, for China and the Japan series. But, uh, those are the three biggies. There's three first rounders plus Abel, the, the freshman. Who really impressed. Um, but my sleeper, I know you're probably, well, yeah, no, go, you, you want to ask me? You gotta have, you gotta ask me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me ask you about those three and then we'll do your sleeper. Cause I, I got a couple of like some of the other names you wrote about. By the way, <laughs> if you're listening, Syph wrote about the left handers on the website, which is great. It's a great read. There's a couple of lefties I'm really intrigued by, but let me ask you about Hartle, Syph. Like my, it, it feels like Hartle, either his fastball plays light or there, like I just, it feels like when I watched him, he felt more fragile than louder. And it just felt like if Hartle didn't have his cutter, now I'm, I'm, I'm nitpicking. I just want to be clear about this. Like Hartle was a first team All-American, like no doubt about it. Like, or, or, you know, on the All-American teams, like he had an awesome year, but it didn't feel like Hartle could go 2-0, four-seamer, you know, you know, it's coming. It felt like he has to like the pitchability's got to be elite for him to survive. Is that? Did you see more raw stuff than that, or is is um is that a fair assessment? I think it's fair, but you're also comparing him to Rhett Louder as far as right. pitchability, and there's not anybody <laughs> right. better. I mean, like uh, Tanner yeah. Hall at Southern Miss may be close, but like Rhett Louder's in a league of his own. Uh, but no, I saw uh, fastball from '93, 82-84 cutter or slider, 87-89 cutter. Um, obviously, the cutter is his best pitch, but. Uh, uh, he's just a little off. I mean, the cutter was yeah. out over the middle plate. The slider wasn't, you know, sliding hard. Um, and it just wasn't the same hard of that, you know, that we saw during the regular season. Um, yeah. So I say rusty. He probably hadn't pitched since his, you know, since the CWS. So we had two weeks off. I'm just giving his arm a break. But, uh, I mean, if, if, if looks aren't everything, but looks are for him. I mean, 6'5", 200, loose, long, left-handed. I mean, he's a no-doubt first-rounder. He just had a bad had two innings yeah and he is loose as all get out and you know like could add strength and the whole deal what about say so let me ask you about carter holton like i i'm trying to look it up while we're talking but he didn't pitch down the stretch for vandy like i I don't think he started after may 1st 
And, you know, like you're just holding your breath when you see that. And he is like he was a famous recruit. He was a dynamite freshman, the whole deal. And so to see him, like when I heard he was pitching for Team USA, I was confused and thrilled at the same time. And then it sounds like he actually threw the ball decent for Team USA. What, you know, from your perspective, did he look, did he look healthy? Like what, what, what did you see from him? Yeah, he looked healthy to me. Um, uh, you know, obviously I, I can't recall seeing him as a freshman, but I did see him twice during the spring season. And each time it was just something, it was kind of like Chase Dolan or Dolan or Steve. Um, mm-hmm. Just something was a little off. You know, the, the snap wasn't there. The, the extra late life wasn't there. The pinpoint command wasn't there. Kind of the same thing with Holton. It just wasn't as crispy. Um, but what I did see, I think it was up to 97. Uh, wow. 94, 97. Slider was plus. Late action, 82, 85. Um, you know, he kind of is what he is at 5'11", 210. I mean, he looks like, like I said, a fire hydrant. But, uh, I mean, he's a first rounder. He's going to move quick. Uh, he'd probably be in bigger rotation, probably a year and a half, two years at the most. I would, I would think just, I mean, he is what he is. He is, he's a now guy. So, yeah. um, if he comes close, if he, if he can, you know, rebound, um, to his junior year, anything like his freshman year, he's going to be a top half of first rounder. So. Oh, fair enough. Hey, let me, I'm going to force a sleeper on you and then you can give me a sleeper. What about Devin Futrell? Like I just, what I worry about him is that his stuff isn't good enough. Now, again, he was eight and three with a 3.44 this year and pitched on the weekends, but you know, it is less strikeouts than means pitch and, you know, 72 punch outs, 83 innings. And, but at the same time, hitters only hit 226 against him. So is Futrell like, is he like a legit guy or is this too trickery for, for, yeah, and maybe I'm over-indexing on the softness. Maybe it's better stuff than I think it is. No, I think you, I think you nailed it. And he's actually my sleeper, so you nailed my sleeper. Oh, nice. Too. Okay, even better. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's got, a, yeah, he has some things to improve upon, but I mean, like, he's built to pitch. He's six foot five, two hundred. His frame is likely to add some strength as he just fills out mature. You know, um, he was ninety ninety two with his fastball. 79-80 with his breaking ball and the changeup was the same thing there. So, I mean, if, if I'm just thinking this through, thing through, you can build arm speed now. You know, before it's like you yeah. kind of had what you had, but now it's proven you can build arm speed. So if you get a little more arm speed, a few more kicks on the fastball, the breaking ball is going to he's going to firm up the breaking ball because it is a fringy pitch right now. So is his changeup. His changeup might be a little bit ahead of his breaking ball. But let's just say he gained some arm speed. He's got, then that puts him 91, 94, touching a five, hard to spin on the breaking ball, sharpen up a little bit, improve the changeup. But then the final thing for me, just change the, either make the breaking ball firmer than the changeup, mm. or make it a true curveball and take it below the changeup speed. So you have three different velo bands. So it's all possible. I mean, like colleges, pro teams are proving they can do this now, just with the, New analytics, the new data, the new, all the new technology that they have at their disposal. So, Futrell is my sleeper. Right now, if the draft were tomorrow, he's probably more of a midday two guy, you know, fifth, sixth rounder, but, uh, it's all in there. I can see him, I can see him working his way into day one, kind of similar to what Hunter Owen did. I mean, nobody thought yeah. Hunter Owen was going to be, go where he went, and he actually went lower than if the draft would have been like on April 15th. Sure. Owen went around or so lower than he would have went if the draft were mid-season. So, um, yeah, he's, he's a good-looking uh, good-looking guy and a definite sleeper. Hey, before we do the righty scythe, i got to ask you about Omar Melendez from Alabama State. Go Hornets. The uh, 
you know, the, it, it sounds like he, did he make the team or he was just part of the trials? He made the 31 um, that pitched against uh, Chinese Taipei. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe he pitched against uh, Japan. Japan. But, uh, Got it. But yeah, he, uh, he pitched a perfect inning. It was up, uh, I think it was up to, yeah, but he's more of a 85. He is definitely a pitch roller up to 85, 88. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's a finesse lefty. Um, but uh, I think he pitched one scoreless inning during the trials, or no, during China, against China, China, Chinese Taipei, one scoreless, no hits, and one strikeout. So uh, strike thrower, finesse guy, six foot five. You know, he missed barrels. He did a good job. Hey, one more lefty, Alton Davis of Alabama. Like First him. of all, you know, I'm not, I'm not that I'm. I want to clarify this. I'm not rooting against kids that transfer, but I do take great joy when kids don't transfer. I don't know if that's a fair position, but like, you know, it's cool. Like, I just, I keep thinking of it this way. It's like, what if when we were kids. Larry Bird and Magic Johnson finished their careers not at Indiana State and Michigan State. Like, that would be so, like, they were iconic players at those colleges. So, so okay, yeah, let me call myself out here. I do get excited when kids don't transfer. I do. I just do. I think it's cool. I think it's cool to stay in one place. So I'm, on your, Dave, I'm on your van wagon. Yep. I, yeah. I yeah. Yep. yeah. So it's, it's, it's fine for them to transfer too, but I don't like everybody to transfer. Yeah. I mean, it's just if there's no, if there's no change in the coaching staff or no change in yeah. Other things in that environment, then yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I kind of don't understand why kids do transfer if nothing yeah. has changed. I mean, I I coach for ten years like yourself. You probably coach more than me, but so I do understand why. You know, maybe sometimes the coach wants the kid to move on or the kid yeah. needs to move on because you know you go somewhere else and figure it out. Best of luck, kind of thing. But uh, but yes, the, the transfers right now are just out of hand. But I, I'm on yeah. your bandwagon when it comes to guys who just stay. You know, stay yeah, the great, cool. stay the great. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. It's weird that it's become unique, but um, Alton <laughs> Davis, Alton Davis the second, is he? Here's my question. I love him. I love that arm. Is oh, he a reliever him. profile, or could he start maybe? Right now he is. It, there's just too much. I mean, he's a, he's a true freshman. There's just too much going on with delivery. Yeah. The strike zone's not there. But I'll tell you what: the body, the athlete, the arm quickness, the feel for pitches. He's got great analytics too. It's 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 high spin stuff. I mean. Yeah, if he can figure it out, he's a first-round starter. Uh, oh, yeah. But he's he's got a ways to go. But he's got everything. Oh man! Oh, he's got all the natural ability to get there. Yeah, yeah. and the ball explodes out of his hand. It no is doubt. so fun. Hey everyone, we're going to take a quick break from our discussion to hear a couple ads from our sponsors. For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's hard lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Hey, so, uh, Saif, let's do the right-handers. Okay, so I'm going to pin you down. Look, give me your favorite right-hander on the college national team. My favorite is in the most upside, who could be 1-1, or my favorite is in just Mr. Consistency, get it done. Give me, give me one of each. Give me each person in those two categories. So, right. so give me your two. Upside Without guy it, and you're, you're, you got to win a game tonight guy. Without a doubt, Brody Breck from Iowa has the most upside. Oh. I mean, he's, if you thought watching Paul Skeens was fun, this guy's going to be fun too as soon as he so figures great. out, as soon as he figures out to control his fastball more. Yeah. He has, he had, to me, he commands his slider two grades better than he commands his fastball. No doubt. Unfortunately, his fastball command is like 35 ish. Yeah. Um, it's not 40. Um, so it's, Starting with a three, but uh, man, he's got a good slider. It's a seventy. It's a different slider than Skeens. Skeens throws a sweeper. Yep. Rex is just at you and diving down and away hard, and it's really, really good. But 
you know, just like Steven's breath touches 104. Um, mm-hmm. He was oh, 90. Yeah, I think it was 99 the day I was there. Um, he got cut. So uh, that's kind of where I'm going. It's like Brett, he was cut from the CNT. Uh, yeah. He threw three innings. Um, he didn't uh, throw his best. He was rusty. But he was up to uh, his breakers. His slider's 88-91. I forget what his fastball topped. I think 97-98. But, uh, man, he's big. He's 6'5". He's strong. He's a former two-sport athlete at Iowa. Just gave up football. He announced, I think, midseason that he was no yep. longer playing football. Um, but, yeah, so upside Breck, he has a chance to go 1-1 if his fastball command can advance a grade minimum. Uh, two yep. grades. Two grades is probably what it's going to take. Um, and then uh, my other favorite guy, and he's been my favorite since he's a freshman, he's just consistent. He's not super sexy. He just goes out there, performs. He's got good stuff. Uh, Drew Bean from Tennessee. Yes. I mean – Oh, he reminds me of Greg Maddox. Not like, not like, he's not a future Hall of Famer like Maddox. He's not Greg Maddox, but like, as far as a guy can just go out there and pitch. Just high, high, high pitch ability. Fastball's 93, 97 from a high slot. He has feel for at least two average breaking balls in the sliders, off speed pitching in the slider, and he's got a nice fading changeup, and he can just flat pitch. So, he's not a big strikeout guy, kind of a pitch to contact, fill the zone guy. So he's not a high pick just based on that because that's not what teams look for. But he's definitely an end of the first rounder. And he's just going to post another great season. He's going to move his way up draft boards. And people are going to be like, I'm taking that guy because he can flat pitch. Yep. Do you have a favorite pitch of his mix, Drew Bean? You know, he, he uses all three at will. Um, yep. I can tell you when I saw him in the spring, it was like, man, he's got a great changeup. Right. And then when I saw him for the CNT, it was like, Wow, his slider's pretty good too, and he can move his fastball to all four quadrants. So his fastball really plays it, definitely plays it more than just one pitch. Um, so yeah, I mean, his favorite is just the sum of everything he can do. Yeah. There's not anything like, it's not filthy fastball life, but he places it well, and it's got enough life. You know, it's not a filthy yeah. dirty, it's not a filthy slider, but it's really good, and he can place it. You know, he can backdoor it, he can backfoot it, uh, change up. Like I said, he's just, it's the sum of his parts, man. He's really special to watch. Love it. So I got, I got some other guys I really like on this list. Matt Ager uh, from Santa Barbara. And Santa Barbara is just, I mean, you know, Shane Bieber. I mean, they really have been pumping out talent over the last decade under Andrew Chekets. So what would you, would you like about Matt Ager? He's a different type pitcher than Michael McGreevy, but he looks similar. Um, yep. They have similar strike throwing ability. You know, McGreevy was, McGreevy's a big slider, sinker, sinker slider guy. Yep. And Ager's more of a, He's gonna. He's a strike zone. He'll fill the zone, but he's got good carry. He'll carry the ball to upper, you know, upper in, upper out. Um, he can. He can. And then when he goes down, he's just got good carry. You think it's gonna sink below the zone, but mm-hmm. it carries right to the bottom of the knee and stays there. So he's a different type of guy than McGreevy, um, but same school, same body type, same strike thrower. Um, and they actually kind of have similar numbers through, uh, you know, through their first couple of years. So awesome. yeah. Uh, he, I'm not sure if Ager is going to be a first rounder like McGreevy, but I'll be honest, I didn't think McGreevy was going to be a first rounder yeah. in the in the summer of uh, the, before his draft year. So, um, yeah, good one to bring up. Ager, Ager is a good watch. And how about so Luke Holman? Sife is interesting. Like he was a famous name in the portal this summer. He's going to transfer from Alabama to LSU. We're told he's interesting because he was the Tuesday guy for Alabama to start the year because you know they had veterans in McMillan. 
and um, I'm forgetting the one other veteran, but Grayson Hitt was going to be in the rotation, Ben Hess. Next thing you know, Holman is going toe-to-toe with Brett Lauder in the Super Regional. I mean, he was he really came on at the end. What did you like about Luke Holman? The first time I saw Holman, he was going toe-to-toe at Vandy. Uh, he was up to like 97 or right. maybe even 98 that night. Um, I think that's the best velocity he threw out there all year. But uh, Or maybe it was at Auburn. I forget which which game it was. But, uh, um, yeah, he was he was awful. As bad as Hagen Smith was, oh, no. Holman was just as bad at the trials, at the trials. Right. Um, like it, They hit him all around the park. His hat was flying off from so much effort. He just looked like a guy that was just – it wasn't good. It was not good. Um, but I'll tell you what, he turned around quick because during the regular season, five games against – for China and the other five against Japan. I think he, yeah, he threw eight innings and struck out 15, only allowed five hits in those eight innings. So he just flipped the switch and he was really, really good. Just some of the Hagen Smith. And, you know, like I forgot to mention Hagen Smith, 80 competitor. And I think yeah. Holman's kind of from the same cloth. I mean, they, they, those guys just turn, turn it up when the game, when the games mattered more. But he was not good. Not good. I'm like, this is not the Luke Holman I just saw against Bainey and Auburn. <laughs> so great. So, yeah. It's so funny. Man. I never thought. Now I'm even more excited to go to the trials one year because all of these kids, like, you, the only way you get invited to the trials is if you had an incredible year. And then it's like you could get slaughtered at the trials because everyone else has had this incredible year. Like, it really, it is, that is fascinating. Hey, what yeah, about, I, oh, go ahead, well, I was just saying, and speaking of, like, uh, we put out uh, uh, with Prep Baseball Report, the other half of my, 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 my deal, right? Yeah. We put out, we put a mock draft out and we had cans going 1-1. And we got some feedback for it and people were like, man, he looks so bad to USA CNT. Scouts are saying this, apparently. Yeah. Um, so bad to CNT, on and on and on. And Tags only hit 176, had a couple bombs, but, uh, the guy was on fumes. You know what I mean? Just yeah, absolutely yeah. fumes after, yeah, I mean, the guy was a, he not only played through the end of the CWS and then reported, I think, two or three days days later to the CNT, but the guy was doing both. He was yep. pitching and hitting. Nobody else had done that. Um, he's not Otani. I mean, he's he's not a full-grown man who's on a, a, a workout warrior every day at this point of his life because there's no time. But, uh, but yeah, but the point I'm getting at is you can't really read into too much. Like, the stats important. They're important. Their performance is important. Like, we talked about the... Mm-hmm. The, the front of the broadcast here, uh, the podcast, but uh, Tags wasn't himself. Um, it would have been nice to see Tags do better. So hopefully scouts don't read too much into what they saw, but the guy was on fumes. So I'm not reading too much into Luke Holman. I'm not reading too much into Hayden Smith based on what I saw. We'll turn it on later. Um, and there's a few other guys like that as well. I mean, Michael Massey had one bad inning. So if you saw that one bad inning that Massey threw, and we'll talk about him maybe in a second. Yeah. Um, you saw not a very good Michael Massey. The guy got hit around a little bit. But if you saw his other, I think, two or three appearances from the trials and the, the, the games, he was really good. So, you know, it just depends on the day you see the guy. Yep. Let's wrap with the three ACC guys that are of interest. So, Michael Massey, to your point, he was nasty uh, against LSU in the College World Series. And, you know, you think about next year, Wake Forest is going to have a rotation of Chase Burns, Josh Hartle and Michael Massey. That's interesting. <laughs> like, really, really interesting. Um, talk about running it back. Austin Gordon of Clemson, I think, is sneaky, high-end talent. Um, yeah. Clemson kind of had a little bit of a mystery team um, outside of Caden Grice and Cam Canarella. How about, and I also want to ask about Fran O'Shell III from Duke, mostly because he's a Malvern prep guy. 
but oh, he, big, he's big yeah, thing. go Friars. Yeah. He's coming off a heck of a year. So let's talk about those three ACC guys. Oshel of, of of those three, Oshel is the most impressive. Um, I mean, they're all good arms. I mean, they're all top three round guys at worst. Uh, maybe Oshel. He he profiles straight as a reliever though, whereas Massey and obviously Gordon, those those profiles stars. But yeah. Oshel was just nasty. I mean, he, I think he, well, his big deal is he, he'll throw 97 to the top of the zone. He's got crazy, crazy backspin, uh, crazy carry. But what one thing he does, he's six seven, but he makes himself like he he drops that lower knee down on the ground, kind of like Tom Seaver, and yeah. he's literally throwing the ball up. He's six seven, but he's throwing the ball uphill and wow. he just carries uphill. So I don't know what his IVB and all those fancy numbers are, but all I know is that ball actually like rises and guys just swing under it day, day in and day out. I mean, he gets more swing and miss than anybody. If you just look up his stats from Duke in the spring, they're crazy stats. His, his pitching that I saw was just crazy good. I mean, he would just live at the top of his own fastball. Guys would swing under it, swing under it, swing under it, go sit down. Um, I think he had like seven swing and miss on the road in that same pitch. Wow. But he also throws a nice changeup. I mean, O'Shea's got a nice changeup. Um, so it's just not a one pitch pony. You can, you can throw you off balance, you know, get, get your timing off with the changeup. And, uh, man, was he dominant the day I saw him. Really funky look, ton of effort. Not how you teach a six foot seven guy to throw, but darn it, he gets, he gets it done big time. That's awesome. What about Gordon Scythe? Like I, I saw him once in a limited look and I was like, dang, like this, this kid should be more famous than he is. What'd you see out of Gordon? I saw a limited book too, as well. I, I think he only threw two pitches during the trial, and he was he was cut. But I mean, I, I see what you like. I mean, he, he's long. He creates leverage. Leverage. He gets down the mound. I don't have his extension data, but I mean, he, he got down there and got out there pretty good. So his fastball plays a little bit above his velocity. Um, the one thing I didn't see there's just no dominant pitch right now. Like, it's not yeah, like he can't just go to this with two strikes or that with two strikes. Yep. You know, he's he's a pitch. He's a six foot five ish, six foot four. Long, lanky, pitchability righty. Um, so kind of stock at this point. But that is what I saw in those two innings. That might not be what he is. His, his numbers, his stats from Clemson kind of says that he is because he didn't have a lot of strikeouts and he gave up about hit an innings pitch. But man, first round, if you said he's going to be a first rounder next year, I'd say, yeah, he probably could be because it's all there. He's just got to, Get a little bit more velo and sharpen some stuff up, and there you go. Stay healthy, right? Yeah, yeah that's stay right. Healthy. Yeah. Hey, let's wrap with Jay Wolf, folks. Like you, you put this in our thread. Um, that was a re- your really cool point. That hey, like this is good for baseball. That guys like Brody Brecht and Jay Wolfolk are you know leaving full scholarships in football behind and coming to focus on baseball. Like that's good for the sport. That's not just good for college baseball. Did you get to see Wolfolk at the trials? I did. I saw him twice. He pitched uh, one inning. Two times. Um, the first one, I mean, the, from what I know, from what I saw in the spring, his best pitch was his changeup. You know, mm-hmm. he got the uh, low 90s fastball, deadly changeup. But his first out, you know, he was doing, he was going fastball slider. Mm-hmm. Um, and then occasional, I thought it was a cutter, and it was a cutter. I had to ask, like, hey, that's a, he's meaning to do that, right? And uh, I talked to somebody that knows him well, and they said, yeah, it's, 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 but he didn't throw any changeup. So he was good, but not great, but I think he's out. And he goes much better. He went, he had cutter, slider, changeup, fastball. You know, fastball's lively. You guys are seven. Yeah, yeah. It started against my Fighting Irish of Notre Dame one time. So, you know, like that's the thing. He's been not only a two-sport athlete, but trying to be a two-sport athlete playing quarterback at Virginia. So very, very tricky. So, you know, I think for Wolfolk, it's, it's you know, like he's a quarterback athlete. 
So it's not not just who he is now, which is pretty good, but it's, you know, what kind of jump can he make this fall without, you know, doing the football? I mean, I, I can't even imagine the time the football players have to put in. So, um, yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, all I know from, if I'm UVA, pitching staff, coaching staff, baseball player, I'm super excited because he's such a good guy. No question. Yeah, no question. So, hey, that's perfect timing. I think our internet's After starting to act up. So, yeah, let's let's cut it there, Sife. I think our internet is telling us that it's time to go. Um, either my internet cut out or your internet cut out. But this was great, and we're gonna we'll come back and we'll do the hitters later. Sife's uh, piece on the left-handers is up on the website d1baseball.com. Right-handers is is in the hopper, as we like to say. That'll be up soon. Uh, if you go to the website, uh, you want a subscription. Type in save30 at checkout. That'll get you 30% off any annual subscription, whether that's SEC Extra or D1Baseball.com. If you're watching this on YouTube, go ahead and hit subscribe, please. That's very, very helpful. Uh, and that is it. We look forward to, you know, the draft is behind us. We're getting ready for 2024. Great look at the uh, college national team here. Uh, and that is it. Everyone have a good one, and we will catch you next time on the D1 Baseball Podcast. The D1 Baseball Podcast is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts.